Greetings and welcome to Eastern Promise. I'm Mike Rigby and this is Eastern Promise, where we explore, examine and extrapolate the huge potential of the East of England. I search every sector to find the best of our region to share with the world. This week, I talked to Chris Sargison, who recently completed a transformational five-year term as Chief Executive of Norfolk Chambers of Commerce. As he moves on to pastures new, Chris joins me to take a look back and a peek forward. And later in the show, I drop in on the demo day at Tech Educators, the coding boot camp for the tech industry, and talk to Tech Educators MD, James Adams. And finally, life's a beach, so with summer coming to a close, let's find out which stretch of sand is the finest in the land in Crowd Sorcery. It's the changing of the guard at Norfolk Chambers of Commerce. After a massively impactful five-year tenure at the top, Chris Sargison recently stepped down as Chief Executive. Providing seamless continuity, Chief Operating Officer Nova Fairbank stepped into the top slot. Chris has led not only the Chamber, but the whole business community in Norfolk through some very turbulent times, not least the pandemic. I wanted to ask him what the last five years has meant to him, taught him, and what comes next. Not just for Chris himself, but what he thinks the future holds for the region's businesses. I met Chris at the Unthank Arms in Norwich to find out more. Let's just have a chat, really. Yeah. Because um, I, always, I always start by lapsing into my radio voice. Radio. Um, my radio voice. And, <laughs> From uh, old getting... Cossie to new Cossie. <laughs> <laughs> And now the traffic. It's all backed up on the B1776. Yeah, Chopper mic. Well, back up again. <laughs> um, so, how, how's, how's this? Were you familiar with this? Are you getting to grips with it? Yeah, me and this are becoming very well acquainted. Um, I've managed to find myself a sandwich shop. Is that Sanders? It is Sanders. Mm. Very good. 15 years. Wow. This for, yeah. for Richard Bacon MP. So. Very, very good. They do a very good chicken tikka sandwich. They Apologies do. to all you, uh, anybody out there listening with vegetarian, vegan mm -hmm. principles, but <laughs> it is a very good chicken tikka sandwich. But there is equally, slightly further up the road in the, is it the Ironworks? A uh, little sort of out, courtyard yes. out there. Yes. A very nice uh, shop that does uh, vegan vegetable samosas. So I'm, I'm, I've, I've got this great, am I going to be really good today and, and promise continue the promise I made to my daughter which I continually failed to achieve which is I will try the vegan diet and go and have a samosa or do I go and have the full chicken I so, mean uh, there's around the corner opposite Morrison's this is this isn't a tourist ad for this by the way <laughs> uh, we will go on to meaty affair in a moment but uh, <laughs> but intended with the veganism um, but uh, the time out <laughs> coffee bar uh, does an, the, you know, a very lovingly crafted bacon bab 
Um, oh, really? And uh, a decent cup of coffee to, to boot, and they're very nice in there. So I, I often went down there, and I used to, I used to meet a, a par- the, the Longstrap parish clerk. <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to discuss uh, the politics of the day. Oh, see, I've, I have to be very careful. I mean, the, what, one, of the, one of the highlights, I think, was with the, where we were the chamber, was moving into the city and having a selection of nice things to eat for lunch um, that wasn't home-based, which was our nearest shop when we were in our old building. Um, uh, and I suddenly started to feel the belt tightening a little bit because I was actually having a... You know, I was enjoying myself on the market and... But my wife says I've got the constitution of a beef cow, which means I could just, I just breathing in makes me put on weight. Um, so <laughs> I can turn air into calories. So I have to be really careful. So I thought I'd nailed it with the vegan sausage rolls. And, uh, but, but now now I've found a shop that does. Yeah, sandwiches. Yeah, here we go. Mm. Yeah, just just watch out for the uh, the, the Tudor Bakehouse's uh, chocolate cover flapjack. That got me. <laughs> that did for me, that did. Um, Excellent. Cheers. Cheers. So here we are, yeah. Sergeant, at the Unthank Arms. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm going to lose the, lose, lose the will to say it now. I was going to say, uh, the Sarge, as I'm sure people only ever call you once. The Sarge? Yes. Yes. The, the, I, I'm sure you've <laughs> never heard that before. It's always nice to hear the Sarge. I've been called a lot worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes even to, to my face. Oh, no, no. no, 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 not really. I'm being up a comic effect. So, I'm... I've invited you, or you've invited me almost, but we've, we've met here yes. to, dis- to look back, yes. to take a view from the mount uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the, uh, at uh, your, your, your time with the Norfolk Chamber of Commerce, uh, you, what you're moving on to do, and, and just really, as someone who's been so plugged in to the business scene for so long in Norfolk, um, to just take, take stock and, uh, and, and, and yeah. let, you, let you sort of weave us a tale of where you've, where you've been and where you're going, but... What are your standout moments, I think? It's a huge question, but what are your standout moments for you from your, from your, your tenure? Without a doubt, the, 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 best part of, the best part of my role for five years has been to actually get out and see people and see every day to have a wow moment um, when you walk through the door of an organisation and see what they do and how they do it and how, and, and, and how very interesting... Uh, and exciting and motivated and welcoming the business community is in Norfolk. And I'm not just saying that because it's a good thing to say. It's, it's, it's absolutely 100% the truth. Um, and I think it's very unique to place. I think it's a unique thing to Norfolk. Um, I've, I've never really in my five years ever had a crossword with anyone um, within an organisation. I've had lots and lots of conversations and lots of discussions about about struggle and how we make things better and how things can be, how things have been difficult and what we can do. Um, and those meetings have been quite charged and those conversations are quite charged. But they've always had this underlying, um, underlying narrative of uh, um, for, for any organisation that needs support, there's always somebody or something out there that, that's keen to offer it without any, without any particular motivation other than doing the right thing and being helpful. It's, it, and I think, I think that really boils down to um, 
we're an area which is relatively isolated in terms of the way that uh, the landscape. So you get these incredible sort of pockets of commerce and pockets of activity uh, where people make things happen because they have to make things happen. They get on and they do things, and they do things really well. And my big thing was always, please tell, please, <laughs> please tell others, um, yeah. uh, please shout about it. What can I do to give you the mechanisms to to tell others about what's going what's going on and what you're doing and ultimately what you need. Um, and we did quite a lot of work in the early days uh, uh, around a campaign called The Now is the Wow to try and dig those, those stories out continuously. Some, some ways to offset a, a maybe more negative narrative that you can get. It's sometimes you, you, you can end up with an impression that's overly negative and there's not necessarily a, a, a contra to that message. Um, but more, more a case of trying to give organizations who are doing so many amazing things and interesting things um, who just don't stop and think, well, maybe I should tell somebody. And when you start talking to them, you think, and the response is, well, would anybody be interested? And you think, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had those moments. <laughs> they really would. Yeah. So, uh, so and that, that could be everything from, you know, uh, walking around Lotus cars to go and seeing my amazingly uh, incredible crazy friend out in Kings Lynn um, uh, who created his own beard oil from nothing. And Captain Fawcett. Captain Fawcett, and then exports it all around the world. He's mm. got... He's just built himself his own museum, you know. So you go from this, and, and he's incredibly welcoming. I mean, we sort of said to him, well, could we do events here? And he said, well, do you think anybody would want to come? And we're like, yes. And, you know, and they did. And so, so all of that has just been, has been a real journey. And, to, and I've always felt very welcomed. I've always felt very privileged. And I've always, in many respects, as, you know, as a businessman, I know I've run my own businesses. I've created my own businesses. I've worked in businesses of all shapes and sizes. I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is every single day. So I know how how hard it is for people to sort of take time out just just for someone to come along with no particular reason other than to try and understand what's going on. So to be to be welcomed and be involved in that has been you know, has been an absolute privilege. So I think the standout moment will be that collective of occasions where. I've driven somewhere or been somewhere or been invited somewhere and just had brilliant, interesting conversations. And that almost certainly is the hardest thing about not being in that role anymore because that's the bit that I'll that that miss the most. And that even, you know, that transcends into the meetings and the, and the, and the, and the events that we do um, uh, to, to sort, of, sort of, I guess, have a bit of a recognisable face people come up to you and they talk to you and, mm. and you think I'm not so sure I've met this person before but they've met you they've seen you they've heard you um, so you just have very open topical engaging friendly positive conversations mm. and, you, and that empowers you that charges your battery in a way you go and you want to do more well, what I think is interesting to come back to what you said a second ago is that uh, and you're right I think it is peculiar to Norfolk but I think there, there, there are elements where it is in, in the other counties of the region as well and I found this, particularly when I went out to, to Cambridge, um, when I would, or any kind of innovation, I mean, you talk to people and they're quietly doing business on a global level. Yes. They're talking, oh, yeah, we're just, you know, California, Seoul, uh, Tokyo, um, you know, Berlin. <laughs> mm. um, and they said, OK, what connections do you have with the rest of the region? Oh, no, nothing really. <laughs> and you're thinking, OK, right. And... Do you think, I mean, I, I think that we could benefit greatly from that. Do you think that that kind of unique, you know, not a silo, but, you know, just leaving that ecosystem as it is 
is a is, is a is a benefit and just letting it carry on as it is, or do you think we need to work to make those those connections across the region? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but somebody asked, somebody said to me, what 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 words would you give to to businesses as you as you step as you climb down the knotted rope, as it were, in the chamber? And it was engage, engage, engage. Um, the, the 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 more and it's difficult, and I know, and it has to be the right kind of engagement. It has to be the right the right occasion has to be the right purpose and not just just to sort of throw yourself out there and um, and lose half a day maybe for something which wasn't of any value um, but it's amazing by having that engagement how you end up learning the things that you don't know you don't know and that's yeah. always been my kind of what can I do in this job um, that isn't being done already that isn't understood I, I can't walk into either of those examples I just gave. Uh, I couldn't talk to Captain Fawcett or Matt Wendell at Lotus and tell him anything about producing car or beard oil. Um, so they don't need me to do that. They don't need an organisation like the Chamber of Commerce to tell them what they know. They need an organisation to help them and their people understand the things that they don't know. Um, and that starts by being engaged. Um, and the more physically engaged you are, the more you step into those spaces. Um, the, 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 in some cases, the, the better it is because you're then able to sort of ask questions and, and, and dive into. You make relationships, and you build you build networks that, that you, you can't do online. Um, so it, it starts with the physical engagement to get those unknowns known. And it's not necessarily about who will buy my product. It's about who's doing what I'm doing, who's experiencing what I'm experiencing, who's been through what I've been through, who's got coming up what I've got coming up. And do I identify with their story? Can I learn from their story? Can I, can I extract something which I can take away? And I do one thing this week. I'll do that. It's that. It's that kind of. Yeah. It's that kind of relationship which needs to be part of a business landscape. And when COVID came along, um, and to a certain extent when Brexit came along, and everyone just got busier and things got harder, um, and remain so, you know, right right now and more expensive. That's one of the things that tends to go on to the back burner a bit because I'm busy doing what I'm doing and you become yeah. more potentially siloed about what you know and not what you don't know. And so that's kind of been the theme of my time in the chair. We reimagined a purpose for a chamber of commerce because I couldn't actually see one that I couldn't actually see one that made any sense at the time um, that that we could actually hang our hat on that says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it started with connect um, and then it yes. And then it went on to support, and then it went on to voice. So the connect and the support part were, for me, the fundamental bits um, that I think we needed to put the most effort into. Um, if you, you're connecting people, opens them up to new opportunities. Supporting them recognizes where they are in their journey or where they are in, with a particular challenge, and it finds mechanisms to, to support them, finds uh, means to connect, to connect them to those support mechanisms that they, that they need. Yeah. Um, but it has to be a combination of of what we can do with them with with electronic mechanisms and digital things and tools and aggregators and so on and so on. That most of it's rooted in in actually being interesting and engaging and supportive ourselves. And that's where a lot of the change that we've done has been around making ourselves everywhere we can possibly be yeah <laughs> yes for all the right reasons nothing about membership membership is a very different thing every business in norfolk was the the bit that we tagged on to the end of that connect support and give voice every business should have a relationship with an entity like us for free you know it should yeah. have that ability to to access what we know 
membership is working with organizations that want to go up a gear or two, but that, that's not right for everyone. So, um, so trying to get ourselves out there, having people who are genuinely interested in understanding and want to then do something about it. You know, it's, it's changing that narrative and changing that culture in order to enable businesses to make more of that, of that engaging and that connection. I mean, looking back at um, what the Chamber's been doing, um, uh, and, and you personally, two things I've noticed uh, about um, uh, what's, been, what's come across to me most um, during your, certainly over the recent years, um, your time in the, in the hot seat. The hot has, seat. The hottest of seats. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's almost medical, isn't it? It hot is. Yeah, it is. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> it, it appears to be a case of hot seat. Um, two things I've noticed um, is your huge, huge affection for your team. Yes. And um, a, an, all, an equally huge sense of fun. Yes. So where do you think that's... Where's that come from? I mean, it, 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 you know, is, is it something you've, you've picked up along the way that this is how it's done, or is this just you? I think it's a... I, I mean, I, I am known for bringing humour into situations where it's really not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, and then I kind of realised straight away that, oh, that wasn't particularly welcome. Um, I think... I mean, I'm, I'm probably a, 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 an outward kind of character anyway. Um, and that's what it, I think that's what attracted me to the role and that's what attracted the, the, the board to me in, in the role is that you've got to be slightly gregarious rather than hide in the shadows. And we were hiding in the shadows a little bit. We were an inbound operation as I saw it, whereas I felt we should be an outbound operation. Um, uh, we can't, it's not, it's not, um, it's not necessarily the... Uh, it's, it's much easier if, if, if people come to you um, and you deal with them in a measured way, but actually uh, the right thing an organisation like I should do for all, for, to support businesses that are so busy is to be more gregarious. Yeah. Um, but I think culturally-wise, I've, I've matched what I've seen. So the more vivacious, the more engaging the team is, the more the reins come off, the more the more engaged and vibrant the business community becomes, the more you match that energy. Because um, there's nothing worse than a, um, than, a, than a sort of David Brent character that, that thinks that, that, that everyone is finding his jokes hilarious <laughs> yes. or, or his behavior to be acceptable and, and has no clue that it is. So we've kind of, we've upped the volume um, a little bit each time just to, to sort of make sure that we are, we are matching what we're hearing and what we're seeing. And then so, that's made us, that made us very much an organisation that wanted to be business-led. So how do businesses want to do things and how do they want us to sound and look and then we'll go do that mm -hmm. rather than going, hey, how's this look? And you maybe appeal to a small proportion of people like you and you alienate yourself from potentially the majority. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then, so the, and then you're, you make things like your brand and your, your voice and your tone and your excitement easier because you're matching kind of what you're seeing and what you're, what you're, what yeah. you're hearing. There was also, there was also the, and the irony is not lost here, I have said this a few times, that we wanted to move away from a grey head man image, so they employed a grey head man to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your, your audience is 
in my case, is, is, is um, uh, an age group, if not two age groups, behind me. That's, that, they are the people who, will, they are the, the, uh, the professionals that will get the most value mm -hmm. from a well-performing Chamber of Commerce. I, I can't put my baseball cap on back to front and go into, into that space comfortably, <laughs> but I can enable an organization to do that. So what, you, what you're seeing is uh, as much the professional end um, of, uh, of an entity which is able to be in any boardroom, in any situation with any MP and in any serious debate, but also has the mechanism to be taking, to be, to be talking in a, in a, in a, uh, on the same issues but in a different way with, with a different kind of audience that's coming up that's interested in being engaging. That's why we pulled together things like the Connext groups um, and and uh, and have uh, uh, re re engineer the organisation to be our business to be to be to be able to adapt to that and build something that, that wasn't there before. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a matched energy. I, I, I like to think that's what we do. It, it's you know you're always a bit marmitey to some people, I'm sure. Um, but uh, we were we were in a sort of library esque kind of environment five years ago. It yeah. was quiet. Um, and everything was in its right place, uh, so we just drove a bus through. <laughs> let's not be like that. Let's yes. let's be more outbound. Let's be more engaged, and then set our cloth around how that environment works. And that's yeah. all that sort of crazy branding that we did, and the the whole concept of the marketing proposal that we had, which was what you need is what we do. That yeah. was the thing. So what is it you need? And we'll a chamber of commerce can then do that. We can help you with that. We turned ourselves into Pokemon cards, which was you've got to get them all in order yeah. to because every part of us is able to fulfill that what you need bit. So whether it's communication, networking, marketing, problem solving, um, policy, international documentation, disruption, you know, with knowledge base, um, we're all a Pokemon card that has that skill set. So which one do you need? And if you're really clever, you can get them all. Yeah. So. It, we, we just thought we'd give that a go. And that's so distinctive in terms of branding because whenever you don't even need to see the logo. You don't need to see the organisation. When you sort of see those, those Pokemon-style cards, mm. um, you know, you've got Hayes the Zynga Carver yeah. pop-up. Um, you remember, and, yeah. and it sticks in your mind. And um, uh, you mentioned Co-Next, mm. and, and I was just going to that that element, uh, as well as uh, leadership on climate issues... Very much as, as seemed to have been a focus of the the, the recent yes uh, you know again again their business led interventions mm. really so what we found particularly with the climate was uh, organisations that became gateways to information that existed and basically said look at our website we've got some stuff on here you can use um, uh, which is which is valuable and important um, but it makes this assumption that a business and an individual in the business has a the time and b under knows, knows what they're under, knows what they're reading, yeah. um, and and c actually is confident to enact or put into into action what they're reading, um, or what what they're seeing, which which many do, but the bit in the middle that we're trying to bridge with the climate work is well we'll work with you, give us an individual in your organisation who you feel is, is is best suited to understand and take this challenge forward. And then we will work with them one on one. We'll create cohorts and groups, mm. and then we will yeah. we will we will then use that knowledge that already exists in those cohorts to enable them to best put it into practice and best put it into place. And we call them the climate leaders. So give us your climate leader, and then we'll we'll 
we'll be able to um, provide that support. What you need is what we do. That's the bit that we'll do. So we don't have to build anything. We don't have to create anything. We just have to stick to the roots of being a networker and a connector and a supporter, but on that very specific issue, yeah. um, and create a program around it. And make, and make and I think for the first time, what we wanted to do was organisation to feel confident and positive about what they were doing without fear of being shot down if they put their head above the parapet, yeah. the things that they're not doing, which tends to be the case. And business people don't like being shouted at. <laughs> no. <laughs> the things that... They're actually they're trying very hard to remedy or rectify, or in many cases, we're not necessarily responsible in their watch for, for the challenges there. They want to do the right thing far more than they don't want to do the right thing. Well, it's, it's a fascinating thing, because one of the co-produced um, podcasts I did, uh, Eastern Promise did with the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor, mm. um, <clears throat> had a, a lady called um, uh, Rena Dial, who was fascinating sort of introduced me to the whole area of the, the, the neuroscience of leadership and, and it seems when she said it wow. to me it seemed absolutely common sense but that <clears throat> one second for those listening that's a coca-cola he's drinking uh, coca-cola yes. there are other cokes available other, 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 <laughs> other carbonated soft drinks are available um she said rena Dial said that as I pick up the thread, Rina Dial said that you get far more out of people if you focus on their strengths yes. rather than constantly trying to remedy their weaknesses. Focus on the strengths. Don't keep pulling at the weaknesses. And I think that's that's one of the, that's a lesson that I really took on board in doing this. So you know, don't go around and pointing at yeah. what we're not doing, point what we are doing, and how well we're doing it. And, you know, it, it always seems to me that particularly on climate issues, but also on, on, on youth leadership, but on climate issues in particular, that the business community is far, far ahead of, of uh, you know, when I say the public sector, I mean specifically government, the central government. Um, they are know what they have to do and they're getting on and doing it. And yes. I think that is so commendable. Yes, I, and I agree. And, but it, it's, and it's a business trait generally that you look forward rather than look back. And, and sometimes in doing so, you're always, you're always thinking, this is the next thing I've got to do, this is the next thing I've got to do. Um, but actually, when you reflect, well, look at what you've done, look at how far you've come, look how successful you've been, you must count those successes because they are the positives that I think she's talking about because that enables you to do more. Um, think how you can adapt to all sorts of circumstances and situations that have arisen um, uh, Whilst, whilst running an organisation, climate's another one of those. It does. The difference is, it, it's, it's not something you can fix and it's done. It becomes endemic into the organisation. Yeah. You've got to build it into every aspect that you do. That that's it's, that's what makes it daunting. But that in classic problem solving is well, little by little, bit by bit. You know, there are things that I really like to do. I like to change my entire fleet to be electric, for example. Okay, well, I'll do that in a few years' time. But in the meantime. Little by little, bit by bit, these are yeah. all the things that we can do. Now that's where the that's where the, a program at the climate leaders is meant to come about is to say, well, what are the things that you can do now, and what can we work you towards, rather than a one-off and say, it's climate done. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if only. Yeah. Um, I look, look, I took a look back at these sort of early stages of your career, and it seemed to me, you know, you 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 very much a disruptor. Uh, I, you can decide if that's fair. Um, I, I meant it as a compliment. Thanks. Um, 
and uh, it was more it, it, you kind of seem coming you came across and this is from your own LinkedIn profile as kind of the, the anti Dominic Cummings move fast and make things right <laughs> um, move fast make things uh, it's for me um, yes. that you uh, the insurance company that you you were a part of founding and it, it, it seemed that from what I read there seemed to be like a, a very uh, at some point you, you kind of went to go went to thinking. Okay, done all that. What can I now? I'm going to give back. Yeah. Now I've, I've I've done what I need to do for me. I'm going to give back. Is that a fair reflection? Do you think? Or no, is it's, it... that's to- totally right. I mean, the the, it's, the work we did with it's for me, and and then latterly with the House Revolution brand, the the first online estate agency was was disruption in in its in its purest form um, because we absolutely did not change the product um, um, in the environment or the sector that we worked in. We used a combination of technology and cultural change to, to make it, in our, in, our, in our view, in our world, a better proposition. Um, and it has to be balanced of the two. You've got to, you've got to get it right, particularly in the, in the estate agency model. The estate agency model was as much a cultural narrative change about how you behaved in that space as well as opening up you, by using technology to open up the unknown aspects of, 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 of a house selling transaction that any house seller would really want to be involved in and understand rather yeah. than being spoon-fed it. Um, um, and all of those were very interesting journeys or very exciting journeys to be part of. And, and um, um, in, in some respects, they had a beginning and a middle and an end, which is always good. Start with the end in mind. Um, but it's... it's in the nicest possible way, it's very difficult to bounce, bounce out of bed in the morning and go, yeah, car insurance. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, um, the, you know, the value that you're adding there is ultimately to, to your investor, to your shareholder, to, your, to, the, to the value of the organization you're growing and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's worth to, to those that have invested and to you that, 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 that's been doing it. Um, so when I had the opportunity to, to when, when those when we had the opportunity to move on from those, and I started thinking, what, what, where can I apply that that understanding? Because I'm I'm not I'm not academically gifted. Um, um, I I'm, I'm not an, I'm not a graduate. I don't have A levels. I don't have O levels. Um, I bounced out of school at 16 for all the wrong reasons, and and sort of formed my own path, as it were. Um, so I, I've always felt a bit of an imposter in terms of how I compete like for like with, with anybody in that academic set. Um, but the thing that I, but, and it's a sort of characteristic of dyslexic people, I think, is that you, you tend to problem solve in ways that are quite unique to you. And that problem solving is quite beneficial to, to businesses that are trying to transform or trying to change. Um, is that you're able to see, a bit like a game of chess, A plus B plus C plus D, you know, in order to get there, these are the steps you need to undertake. Uh, and that's disruption and transformation. So I know where I'm going, I know why that's important, I know what that looks like, I know what, I can always touch it, I can feel it, I can smell it yeah. a bit. Um, and therefore, these are the things that I want to get to. And, and in terms of Chamber of Commerce, it's only half the job done, there's still half to go. Um, but the starting point for the Chamber was quite far back, so it's taken us five years to get to normal, and then normal allows us to innovate, yeah. so the innovation bit's still to come. Um, but I wanted to do something that mattered, and my first self-employed experience in business was an utter disaster. 
probably because I'm not academic and probably because I didn't think things through, probably because I was arrogant and all those reasons. But nevertheless, it was a disaster. And it was all a disaster on reflection because of the things that I didn't know. And I thought, if there's an organisation that can help any business to understand the things that it doesn't know, a chamber is a good, is a good place to be. So how can, I, how can I work in something that actually is ultimately beneficial to everybody around a, almost a sort of sim, single, but simple yeah. kind of formula? Um, and then how do I disrupt where we are in order to get to the position where we can do that? So the disruption is, is learned from, from, from very skilled people who are much, much brighter than me that, that I was surrounded by that, that, that taught me how that works. Um, and then I just have the privilege of trying to apply it to different things where I feel actually have, have a bit more of a, of a, have a bit of a meaning and a bit of a purpose. Yeah, I, I, I think you're being hard on yourself there. Oh. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a good example, sorry to, uh, no, to carry I, on. I remember, I was reminded of this the other day, actually, in terms of it's not job done. One of the first, first, first uh, invitations I got when I, when I was appointed to the role five years ago was from a group called Breakaway that do a, a, a networking uh, uh, breakfast in Norwich. And they, every year they have a, a, um, a guest speaker to, to, for, their, effectively for their AGM, which which also is a charity event as well. So there's a lot of people there, and they said, come along and tell us what you're going to do. And I thought, I don't really know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I, I kind of know. In my head, I know, but I haven't actually said it kind of out loud. And I was really struggling to think of an example I could give to a group that was so wide about where, where are we right now as an organization? Where do I think I can get us uh, uh, in, in, in 10 minutes? Um, and I use the example, I, I, I went in a three-piece suit, proper three-piece suit with a tie, as you'd expect the yeah. chief executive of Chamber of Commerce to be, very much like the, the suit that you're wearing today, you dapper fox. Oh, there you go. Um, um, but underneath, I had a T-shirt on. And as I was telling the story about where we were and where I think we were good to, I started taking my clothes off. I started taking my jacket off, took my waistcoat off, I took my tie off. Didn't explain, I got this... Uh, a very good friend of mine, Mark there, who run, run a recruitment agency, to stand next to me, and I, uh, I laid it on his arm. And so I was basically left in my trousers and this T-shirt. And I said, this T-shirt represents the journey that we're going to go on. Um, because this T-shirt, to me, is the best T-shirt I own. It's my favourite T-shirt. And when I saw it, I had to buy it, without yeah. question. It was the T-shirt that I wanted. Um, it, it's, the T-shirt was a, an image uh, of a, an 80s band. It was the album um, cover of my favourite album of this 80s band. Um, oh, come on, name names. Uh, it was a band called Japan. Yes. And the album uh, was uh, Quiet Life. Right. All right. And which was my favourite album. Uh, and it was being modelled on the photograph by, amazingly, a, uh, a shortish, grey-haired man of my age. I was thinking... He looks like me, I want that T-shirt. And impulsively, I bought it. I clicked in it, I bought it. And then I sort of stepped back from it, I thought, that's a bit odd, because I never normally buy things randomly. And then I realised what had happened was a series of algorithms, a series of bits of knowledge digitally that had been collected by me had worked out my age, my profile, my face, 
my musical taste, my favorite band, all of these things I'd said and produced an image of a t-shirt that didn't actually exist at the time that I pressed buy. And as soon as I pressed buy, they then go and print it. Yeah. And I thought that to me summarized that everything that the chamber knows about organizations yeah. and business, if it could actually work that, work that logic, work that formula to say, right now, you need this. And for people in business to go, yes, boom, that's what I want because I absolutely get every single bit of it. That it has to be right there, right there at that moment in time. Um, because the next time you log on, it needs to be something different because you would have evolved, you would have moved, you would have changed, your, your needs would be. So how do we pull all this information that we know and turn it into that compelling proposition that makes you excited to buy something? How do we take all that physical understanding, all that knowledge, all that activity that everybody does in that location and say, if you're gonna do anything today, it's this. And it relates exactly to you, not the guy sat next to you, exactly to you. And I thought, that, and as soon as I kind of did it, I thought, Oh God, that's going to be hard. <laughs> yes. But what a what a what a what a proposition, you know. Yeah. And there's no other kind of organisation like a non-for-profit, well-curated, 125-year-old interconnected organisation like a chamber of commerce that could get in any way close to being able to do that. Yeah. Because you couldn't do it with a startup. You don't know anybody or anything. You might have the technology, but you you wouldn't have the relationships and the depth and understanding. Yeah. So. That, that was the disruption that I mm. thought a chamber could do, articulated in a T-shirt. Anyway, everyone just looked at me and thought, uh, <laughs> what? Why is he taking his why shirt off? Why has he dropped the T-shirt? Oh, dear. Um, that's, that, that, do you know what? That is, that's, I love it when people tell stories like that because it, it, it reminds me why I'm doing this, and, but it, it, it let, lets me see and lets everyone listening hear uh, that that process of, of of people pulling it all together, realizing what's needed, yeah. seeing what's needed, having that vision, the vision thing, and 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 putting that that into action. That's 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 fantastic. Oh, I, a word I overuse, oh. but it truly is. It's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much to Chris for his time, and you can hear more of our interview next week. It's a sobering statistic that the UK has 1.5 million fewer computer programmers, known as coders, than it needs. Given the high potential earnings in the tech industry, the accelerating number of tech startups, and the East of England's excellence in digital and tech industries, that's a gap that we in our region are well placed to address. And I found out how the East is training up the next generation of coders when I visited Fuel Studios in Norwich for the demo day of Tech Educators, which runs coding boot camps aiming to empower people from all walks of life to begin successful new careers in the tech industry. So first of all, can I grab your name? Because I missed that part when I came yes, in. Yes, absolutely, Liana. Liana. Yes. Uh, Liana. Lucas. Liana Lucas. It's a and pop star name. Ah, it is very. It is a very good pop star name. And, what I really liked about uh, the story you, you, you were telling up there was, was, was really about sort of, uh, and I just popped it on LinkedIn, grit and determination against the odds, and that was really kind of, 
you weren't being deterred by anything. First of all, tell us about your app. So my, yeah. my app that I've coded this, well, this week, because um, we only had a week to do our final project. To be honest, I had two days, so <laughs> it was very stressful. Um, my app's called Wispy, and the idea is it's a mental health app um, to use on the go. So it includes things like uh, breathing exercises, uh, daily check-ins and mood trackers, and it works with an NHS API, so it takes external information from the NHS website and gives you um, real information on mental health conditions. Yeah. So if you meet somebody and you find out, oh, they've got this condition, you can go onto your Wispy app and you can click it and it gets real information from NHS about that condition. Right. Okay, and that's, that's really important that we've got those kind of apps because I think some of them can be quite sort of clinical and when you when you and I speak from some some experience that when you're in that place you don't you know you want to feel relaxed and comforted so why I mean what you you were obviously sort of working in an area that what that wasn't where you wanted to be so what what drew you to tech educators and, and what made you sort of take that step so I've always been somebody that works with people, so I've always been in sort of customer-facing jobs and, and customer service jobs, but unfortunately those jobs usually do pay minimum wage, um, well in my experience anyway they have. Um, and usually just sort of when you're getting that sort of pay, a lot of the time you're just not being valued as much or a lot of companies I've worked for in the past haven't sort of valued my personal growth and that's something that I really wanted was a career, something that I could advance in, that I could grow, grow in um, and I started to code at home because I actually met somebody that is a female coder, a female software developer um, and she's a senior software developer and she's making six figures in London and she's really happy, she loves her job um, and I've always been into tech, I always used to game, um, my best friend's here today, we love to play sims, we game all the time together and it's always just been something that I've loved so I thought why not give it a go, started coding at home, tech educators ended up work working outside of my office so it, was, it just felt like fate really yeah. um, and I went for their, one, their 101 day course which I would really um, recommend anybody attending if you have any interest in tech because it's so creative and that's something that I didn't think it would be as creative as I, as I am but it is 100% there's so much design involved and like user interface and user experience design involved that it's, it's really creative and fun and I loved it so much that I applied for the scholarship was awarded the scholarship and then I've now got a job at Aviva as a software developer so that's, that's amazing I think I've seen that on on LinkedIn some you photos probably of yourself have, yeah. celebrating that you've you know how, how 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 is it for you to work how does it make you feel to work in an area you've coveted working in for, for obviously for quite some time yeah I mean it, it feels a bit like a dream you know you sort of you you go to university and you, you have this idea as a kid of what you want to do when you're older and when you get older you sort of realize that, that that's not always realistic and it's not always the case <laughs> yes. and, and world becomes quite scary and um, you know it can cause quite a bit of anxiety if, if you don't have a path that you feel like you're set on a path and for me the coding has just set me on a path now and everything's sort of aligned in my life and I, I feel like I have I can see my future I can see myself being a senior developer I can see myself making more money maybe even buying a house one day you know my partner and I are now going to be able to move in together and, and I'm going to be able to get my driver's license and it's just opened so many opportunities for me. Just, just to talk about sort of the Norwich tech space, how important has it been for you to be in an area, you know, in a, in a sector and in a uh, an creative atmosphere like uh, the Norwich uh, digital and tech sector? Incredible.
incredible. I mean, the, the tech community in Norwich is amazing. The amount of support that I've received and just people who are just really interested in helping me with my personal and professional growth is, is just outstanding. Like, I never thought that I would experience such positivity, especially as a woman coming into to a male-dominated industry. You know, it can be a bit intimidating because you can think, am I going to be as accepted as, as, you know, as in customer service jobs, for example, where it's mostly um, female-dominated. Yeah. And everyone is just, you know... I mean, the men in the tech industry, they recognise that there's a gap and they just want to make it more inclusive and they just want to help people. I mean, Alex is my mentor, Alex Scott. Scott yeah. Scotton. I'm sure you've, you've met Alex before. I probably have, I um, can't... Yeah, he, so he runs Nordev. Yes. Yeah, so I actually had the opportunity to go to the NordevCon and introduce myself to literally everyone there. And I have got such a huge sort of, um, well, backing of people that I've yeah. met there and a huge sort of connect connection with everybody now in the tech community. Um, I'm, I'm now co in the process of co-founding a company called Femtech where we are going to, Fantastic. yeah, we're actually going to um, give workshops to everybody um, about women in tech and we want to promote sort of the work that women are doing in tech um, and it's going to be great we're going to have our first networking event here in a few weeks I'll make sure to let you know about that oh thank you I'm sure you'd love to come along yes definitely so this just opens so many doors for me I mean that's 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 fantastic and, and to know that you've had that kind of support uh, and rightly so um, and it's it, it really is it, 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 exciting it's interesting and it's great to know that Norwich is, 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 a, is a crucible for those things I think you, you do you think, I mean I, I would imagine that you get a lot of that in places like Martlesham and, and in you know Cambridge and uh, you know uh, I've just I was in Colchester a couple of days ago so it's fantastic we've got these very different but you know empowering spaces for tech and, and creators uh, in the east of England uh, we're really glad you're here in the east of England. We're really glad that you're Thank you're pushing, uh, uh, making a career here, and all power to you. Thank, Thank you, Liana. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to you. Hey, my great. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, do you know what? I am thrilled to be here in the presence of James Adams. It's just James Adams, isn't it? Yeah. Because I get confused by LinkedIn, <laughs> easily confused. James Adams, who is a man who is so dynamic. If we could connect. Let's, let's connect cables to James, James Adams and we can power the region indefinitely. He renders any interview obsolete within five minutes of its ending, <laughs> such is his levels of dynamism. James, thank you for speaking to me. What an amazing event. Tech educators, tell me quickly, where did that come from? Because we've heard so many really empowering, uplifting stories of people who determined to better themselves, better their lives, their families' lives, you know, let's be fair. In sometimes against the odds, and you know, and succeeding, and before they've even actually finished the course, some of them are going on to. They've already been snapped up by Aviva, who obviously got an eye for talent. Where's this all come from? I think. I think the point is, is in the region. Mike, we, we speak a lot. Um, your whole the thing that you're doing is all about Eastern Promise, and and the point is that the Eastern region has so much potential and so much great talent and so much opportunity to produce great things but like the rest of the country we don't have enough developers we don't have enough people that are going to turn these great ideas into code that's going to power the change that the world needs um, and there's a real gap you know in in the amount of tech talent that's required and the amount that we're producing 
And we've got some amazing people producing amazing talent in the region, you know. Uh, the comp sci um, undergraduate, postgraduate, you know, universities such as um, City College and University of East Anglia, etc., are producing. It's producing great talent. The issue is that demand is outstripping supply. And I think where tech educators comes from is the fact that not everyone wants to go to university. Not everyone wants to put themselves in that position of three years because maybe they don't like the idea of a classroom environment that's more traditional, uh, they don't feel the course is right for them, or whatever their reasons, or ultimately maybe they, they, they can't afford to do it or didn't get the academic grades to do that. And ultimately our, our mission is to, you know, fair access to all to education in tech. And the idea came about like, if we're going to build great businesses that are going to change the world tomorrow, we need tech talent learning and applying their trade in great businesses that we have in the eastern region today and we don't have enough of it. So Tech Educators was created really to, to bridge that gap. Yeah. You are, you, every time you, you, you start again, when I put out my interviews on LinkedIn, I make a little poster and put one of the most inspiring quotes I can find I've got in the interview up there so people can see you know, the metal of the person I'm talking to. And, and you've just given me like, you know, a, a boatload, a month's load. But, you know, it, what impresses me is the fact that you saw that. You saw that, that gap, you know, and you've got people up there saying quite freely, oh, I drive a digger during the day, and why not? Why not him? You know, why absolutely he should be here? Yeah. And, you know, uh, you saw that gap and you, 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 and you, you didn't exploit it. You, you sort of went, okay, how can we fill this gap and, and find the people that the sector needs not you know who aren't going through the traditional routes and get them in there and, and, and make it work for them and the people I've spoken to community was the word that came up family how do you how do you do it how do you just spot that are you you know there's a word I use and there's about two other people I can think of uh, you know in the eastern region who fill, fill, fulfill the title futurist but it certainly <laughs> seems like you do thank you <laughs> I guess is the first thing um, I don't know I, I, I think I think it's very easy to create something when, that you believe in, right? And it's very easy to create, create a community when you surround yourself with great people. And it's very easy to have an impact when you are about action. And I think we're all of those things. And this community is all of those things. You know, I'm very lucky that I get to be the one at the front that gets to talk to amazing people about how great we are and what great things we're doing. But it's not me that's really doing them. I guess we're just bringing together those great people. The demand for people being able to cross-train into tech has always been there. You know, people who are looking at their life and the work they either are or aren't doing and, and understanding and envisioning what their life could be, we always want to try and strive to be the best person we can be. I think the thing that we've really done to the capacity that we can do it, given the resources that we have, is just offer those people that opportunity. And once you do that, they're the ones that take it. So I'm flattered for the compliment, but in all honesty, all we've done is created the framework and the path for people to do that. And it's amazing. You give people the opportunity, they will outstand you time and time and time again. And all we've done really is created the environment for people to do that. Well, I'll probably edit what I said there because I was starting to come across like I'd got a bit of a man crush. So I think, I think we've got a mutual I think, one here. Oh, it's thank fine. you. That's right. Oh, oh, that's all right. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, you know, you've, you've always created that atmosphere here at Fuel Studios in Axella. You know, whenever I see 
I w watched this video about the, the the gaming sector, and there was Fuel Studios again. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 such a, a creative and empowering space. Especially here we are on the fifth floor in the in the the, the very well known. What is this space? Which communal area? Communal area. It's that? a very well known communal area, and uh, you know, all power to your elbow. I mean, you know, we, we we're going to come. We come to expect great great things from James Adams, simply because he keeps on you know hitting it out of the park. So you know. Keep on coming strong. What else have you got in the pipeline aside from tech educators, or is this like you're 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 you know consuming your every every moment at this precise point? Um, no, I think I think the whole point again of, of Acceler and the community we're trying to build here is we want to be the place where if you've got an idea and you're in Norwich, uh, Norfolk, or even the East, and, and and we're aligned to your values, is this where I can go and build a great business and. Uh, we've been a little bit quiet on probably talking about the businesses we've got coming through because um, we've got some announcements coming up that I probably can't talk about. But yeah, you know, ultimately we're here to to support that community, and um, there's more to come always. You know that. I do. <laughs> dizzying, dizzying pace of change coming out from Axella and Vodafone, business champion. <laughs> you know, you kept that very tight-lipped, and all of a sudden there you are getting this uh, very nice, very nice. Uh, plaque or, 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 or gong from Vodafone, how did that feel? Um, yeah, like, it's, it's really interesting here. People talk about sort of imposter syndrome in tech, and I guess, you know, for Vodafone to have recognised what, what we're doing was incredible. You know, any accolade is, is incredible. Um, I always say, though, you're only ever judged on the last thing you've done. And whilst we're starting to do great things, and, and of course we're massively appreciative of, of Vodafone for recognising us, it's what are we going to do next uh, and that's the real impact and you know being here at a demo day for, for tech ed and and students going out and getting jobs is is another thing that that we can tick off and say you know that's fantastic and today is all about that um but it's about what do we do tomorrow and how do we keep having impact and how do we how do we not fall into a trap of talking about impact over than doing it yeah that's absolutely true, and you know, East, Eastern Promises is so pleased to stand with the East, the East of England, the Norfolk, the Norwich tech sector. All power to you! Thank you ever so much for your time. Congratulations to Liana Lucas and everyone who's graduated from the Tech Educators Bootcamp, and particular thanks must go to the Human Dynamo, James Adams, everyone at Accela, and the lovely folk at Fuel Studios. Always a pleasure. And now, ah, we all like to be beside the seaside, but where's your favourite spot beside the surf? Let's keep between the flags for another bout of... Crowd Sorcery. Yes, Crowd Sorcery. Here we are, back on the beach at Lowestoft, finding out from you where it's grand on the sand. Listeners with long memories and little else to do may recall the last time I was here on Lowestoft Beach when I was menaced by a particularly critical seagull. Well, this time I have my trusty sound boffin, Engineer 49, riding shotgun, should the winged villain put in another appearance. And so, back to... As I was saying, we now go back to... Well, Claire Haynes said... <clears throat> Excuse me. 49! Over 
and out. <clears throat> Where was I? Ah, yes. Claire Haynes, executive assistant at Cornwall Insight, starts us off on the North Norfolk coast. It has to be Wells next the sea for me, says Claire. And meanwhile, Michelle Chambers, business development manager at Chaplin Farrant, says she quite likes Hokum for walking on the beach, but more regularly walking on the coastal path on the cliff top from Overstrand to Cromer, as it's closer. These sentiments are echoed entirely by Clark Willis, MBE, director and trustee at Swallow Barnes Group Limited. Got to be Holcomb in the winter. Empty sand for miles, says Clark. But in my early teenage years, brackets, he says, don't ask, the beach between Overstrand and Cromer. I don't know about you, but I'm suddenly very interested to find out about Clark's early teenage years. There's nothing that makes you more curious than the phrase, don't ask. Founder of Accela Consultancy, Incubator and Coding Bootcamp, the aforementioned James Adams, has sent me a very fine series of photos from his hometown of Great Yarmouth. They look very nice and are beautifully taken. Unfortunately, they don't make for particularly great radio. That said, getting live feedback from a man on the scene is impressive. Next, we have another of this week's guests, Chris Sargison, the CEO of Disson Thetford Citizens Advice Bureau and consultant at Sargison Associates. Home next to Old Hunstanton. Home is where the heart is. Thank you, Chris. Jamie Dady, meanwhile, factory support at Condimentum, puts another vote in for Overstrand. And we also welcome to Crowd Sorcery Fiona Walker, founder of Government and Public Affairs Consultancy ParleyConnect.com and former Chief of Staff to the Secretary of State for Foreign, Commonwealth and Development Affairs, a.k.a. One Liz Truss. Fiona's choice is Skulthead Island, which... I'm ashamed to say I had to Google. The island is owned by the National Trust and is a small paradise of sand dunes, salt marsh, mud flats, it says here, and shingle. It's an internationally important site for bird life and terns in particular, which breed here. You can find Skulthead Island just off the North Norfolk coast, not very far from Brancaster. A vote for C. Pauling, meanwhile, comes from Penny Hundleby, senior scientist at the John Innes Centre, whilst Tim Robinson, the chief operating officer at Tech East, wins the County Lines Prize for selecting Stiff Key in Norfolk and Cove Hive in Suffolk. Well done, Tim. Hugh Sayer, chief engagement officer, writes, California. Here he means the one by Scratchby, of course, but cementing Holcomb's place as the clear winner is Tom Abbott of Green Easy. Personally, I find beaches are better observed than experienced. And I do love looking out at the roaring late autumn sea from a cafe on Sheringham Seafront. That said, my family do love the beach at East Runton, though. Thank you very much to all the crowd sorcerers. Next week, we'll be talking again to Chris Sargison with the second part of my interview. And we'll also be hearing from Thomas Panton, co-founder of Greener, the ethical shopping app that aims to be as good for the planet as Amazon's profits are for Jeff Bezos's wallet. Thank you again to Chris, James and Liana. Thank you as always to the wonder of the wavelengths, Engineer 49. Thank you to all my crowd sorcerers, but most of all, thank you to you for listening. I hope to have your company again soon. But until then, bye for now. <laughs>